Hello, adventurers, and welcome back to Behind the Roll, episode five. My name is Keegan, one half of two gamers, and I will be your host as usual for this uh, event here. Uh, joining me today, we have some familiar faces, and one, it's her first time here. So let's start off with, as always, we've got the amazing guy who's controlling this whole campaign, uh, putting all the work in to get it put together. we got our DM, David. How you doing, David? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this episode because a lot of shit happened in <laughs> different events that occurred throughout the whole thing. Uh, also with us is the magnificent Kosif, uh, aka Tim. How you doing, Tim? I am doing. Uh, I'm doing lovely. Thanks for asking. Well, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thirdly, we've got the lovely Kime. <laughs> A.K.A. Bertrand. <laughs> How you doing, Bertrand? <laughs> I'll take I'll take lovely any day. <laughs> lovely. And last but not least, making her behind the roll debut, and you'll know why here very shortly. Uh, we have got Vale, A.K.A. Diane. How you doing, Diane? Hello. <laughs> so. How we're going to do this, just so you guys know, we're going to go through a quick recap of what happened in the session, and then we're going to go and jump into our impressions and any kind of moments we want to go a little bit more in depth about, because uh, this episode was packed full of various things. So to start off, I'm pull my notes up here because I need them. Uh, first thing that happened was, obviously, we had just finished the fight with the three hags. Uh, we were exploring the windmill that we were inside on the bottom floor. It was me, Kosef, and Ara. Uh, hanging out down there, kind of looking around what was down there. And then upstairs, uh, Vale, Kime. Who am I missing? I'm missing somebody. Welly. Welly all went upstairs uh, and found children upstairs uh, that were part of this whole excursion. And the windmill itself was a place where these hags cooked kids and served them into literally meat pies. So... Uh, We started there, we did some investigation, we had some discussion of kind of what we wanted to do with the kids, uh, because we we actually went to the windmill on the way to Valaki, which is the next city we ended up going to, uh, which is where we end up in the majority episode. We do get to Valaki, we we give a solution for the kids, what we want to do. From there, we then go to the tavern and eat some food and kind of rest up after our battles. We were all pretty hurt, apparently, other than David was telling me, well, he never took a hit, which kind of blows my mind in that whole thing, but... She never took damage. Uh, so we went we went to the tavern to kind of heal up. And then last but not least, and I'd say probably the big chunk of the episode that we'll get into at the very end here is I call it Veil vale Questions Rictavio, a.k.a. Veil's vale Excursions. Uh, vale decided to uh, question one of the guys in the bar, and he turned out to be somebody who he uh, didn't appear to be. And that led to a lot of things going down. Uh, a lot of information being held, a lot of surprise moments, a lot of moments I know that I was nervous and excited about. But let's start with the highlights and let's start back in the windmill. Um, first off, I want to start off by uh, saying one of my favorite moments is the discussion of the kids because that seemed to go on. Like that was threaded all the way through. Like, because me, Kosef, and uh, Ara, Latrine, did not know about the kids at all. Because uh, we never made it upstairs to them, so I was playing it the whole time of with that lack of knowledge, I guess, of not knowing what was going on upstairs. And then uh, Kime and Vale and Welly were all up there with the kids and knew what was going on with it. So, what do you guys think of of 
kind of that moment there of the discussion of what to do with the kids. And once we did realize, Tim, that there were kids, kind of our progression of what to do with them and how we went about, because I'd love to hear everybody's opinion. I also want, I specifically want yours in this, Diane, because you were upstairs and then you were going to come downstairs, but then you stayed upstairs to protect the kids from, I think, us <laughs> at one point. I think you said, uh, I think I said, you want to introduce them to Torbury? And you go, I go back upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your what was your thought about keeping the kids upstairs let's start with that why why did you want to keep them upstairs initially um initially it was because i didn't know what was going on with the bodies of the of the hags or the witches mm-hmm. i didn't want them to be i mean they're already freaked out enough about being made into pies i don't know if they knew that or not but i didn't want them to walk downstairs and see all the gore and dead bodies yeah which makes sense i mean us us as having just fought coming up there being as beat up as we were probably wasn't a very encouraging (laughs) sight either if i if if i remember correctly uh i think her name was myrtle was the girl's name uh she took to you very quickly and absolutely like clung to you and i thought that was endearing from a from a player perspective hearing that from the dm of her like because, like you said, we don't know if they knew that they would be put into pies. We They knew they were sold for pies, but they didn't know that they were going to become the pies. And I, 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 I kind of made it more humanized to a little bit. Uh, and I appreciate David doing that moment of her of, him, of her just clinging to you and be like, I see somebody I, that looks somewhat nice looking, I guess. I don't know how why why she clung well, to you. Human, yeah. Yeah, it was because she was human. Human, yeah. Human female who... You know, that was what they were used to seeing as opposed to a tiefling who, that was <laughs> demonic and uh, welly, which is a rock gnome, which is also something that they're not entirely familiar with. So yeah. there was a strong familiar- familiarity with Vale being human. Like I said, I, I love the fact that that made it like the it made it, it humanized the whole moment. It made me go, I actually kind of as much as Torbjorn wanted to get rid of the kids later on, he did care about the kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you do eventually bring the kids downstairs, um, and you come down with them, obviously, and we all regroup. And the first thing that happens as soon as they come downstairs, they they run towards Irina. Uh, what was your thought there when a they ran away from you as soon as they saw somebody else? <laughs> um. Did you remember? Well, like, damn. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, because I was like, "Oh, somebody <laughs> loves me. Somebody loves Gil. But, you know, I get that they would run to somebody who is more familiar to them than staying with the stranger, regardless of what the situation is. So, it's understandable. It was just a little bit kind of like, oh, man. <laughs> Did you have but, well, she would, she would go back and forth. Like, when you were traveling, they, she would go back and forth between the two of you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I remember it that. It wasn't like she was just like, forget that one. <laughs> 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 and I assume Freak during this whole time, because Freak is the one without the soul. Uh, I assume he was just kind of, I picture him kind of like a zombie-esque kind of going with us. That's that's pretty much how they are. Like, they perpetually terrified zombies. So he was, he was not showing any emotion at all, but Myrtle, I quickly came to enjoy her as much as, again, Torbjorn wanted to get rid of her. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the thought process because we did go back and forth when we had the kids. Kind of one of the discussions that came out was, 
Should we stay the night in, in the windmill? Should we go to Valaki and see what we find in Valaki? Uh, and then I actually, one of the things I kept arguing as Torbjorn is we don't know what's in Valaki. What are we going to do with the kids while we get there? So the, the, the three thing, three prongs there are, do we stay? Should I stay or should I go? I think as Tim said. <laughs> uh, and then the kids concept, I kind of want to get everybody's perspective. And we'll start with uh, uh, Bertrand here to kind of get your perspective on what you were thinking with the kids, whether you wanted them to, did you, did you want to stay in the windmill or did you want to go? What did you want to do with the kids in that moment? What was your thought process there? We were all friggin' haggard. So uh, during that moment, I knew that my vote was to stay at the windmill for the night. Yeah. We had done enough investigation checks around the area that didn't seem like it was too dangerous. So I thought, let's hang here. It's shelter. Yeah. And that's similar to what I was, what I was at at that point where I was like, Hey, cause I think at one point we're all like, let's hang here and see what happens. Uh, and then DM came in with a hint, uh, or coaster's intuition. We don't know which came in <laughs> and, uh, said, Hey, we should probably go. Uh, but what what was your thought process, Tim, of which way you wanted to go, whether you wanted to to go or whether you wanted to stay? Because I couldn't really tell which one you wanted to do at first, because I feel like you made the decision yeah. to leave eventually, I think. But Well, my decision to leave really came down to the, the massive hints we were getting, right? Irina was saying, it's only a couple of miles, you know. And my initial thought process was to stay. My initial thought process was, let's rest here because we're all about to die. Um, except for Welly, I guess. And <laughs> still um, yeah, uh, and I also think there was maybe I didn't really understand what time it was either. And then I also uh, got educated when we found out how long a short rest is. Um, you know, I was thinking it was more like half an hour, like Bertrand had thought. Um, so I was like, well, shoot, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> what should we do if, if that's going to be the case? And then and David pointed out, well, if you do a rest, then it's going to be nighttime. And then once you start thinking about that, it's like, well, we, we should just go then because we're not going to travel at night. That's going to be more dangerous. We've gotten enough hints um, and enough insight to say the, the, that the wolves left. So um, we should just we should just go. We'll get to the we'll get to the city and we won't make any stops. We'll just straight through, you know, um, and, and go from there. What about you, Diane? What was your uh, your thought process? On this? Were you camp stay or camp go? I was actually torn, um, which is kind of why I didn't really say a whole lot about staying or going. Because I could understand staying and getting rested up and uh, even doing like an overnight stay in there. Because it was shelter, like Bertrand said, and it was some place that we could have fortified and um, from the upper levels seen anything coming our way. But, uh, But I also, again, from taking care of the kids do you really want to make them stay one more night or one more minute in a place that was so terrifying for them yeah so and i and i i was camp stay um just from the fact because like everybody said it's it's shelter we knew what was in there we we were familiar with the area we didn't know what we were getting into valky to for torbjorn it was the known aspect of what was going on um i didn't even think from the perspective of the kids, like staying in the same place that they had seen probably who knows what go down uh, beforehand and how they were treated to that point. Um, but my maternal instincts were kicking in. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I was like, ah, it's just kids. 
<laughs> kids will be kids. But um, but my thought again was the was the fact that we had we could fortify the door. And I, my one of my favorite jokes, Wellie made halfway through was she was like, "I could put a sign on the wall and just say it's mine." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I found that as funny as I did, but I got a good chuckle out of that yeah. one. I thought uh, that was funny. Yeah, and I I told I told Cody actually after the episode I go, I can't remember if I'm proficient in carpentry, but if I was, I would have made a badass sign for you. <laughs> uh, but let's let's hear the DM because the DM has given me some information of what would have happened if we had stayed. So what would have what would have gone down, David, if we did stay? If we had chosen to remain. So they're the night hags souls are bound to cross back to where they go they came from right except in ravenloft's realm they can't leave even the souls are not able to leave this realm so the souls literally would have crossed over to the ethereal plane or at least morgantha would have crossed over to the ethereal plane and then uh she would have used nightmare on all of you uh which would have actually reduced all of you uh you gain no benefit of rest uh reduced some of you to zero hit points and killed you instantly uh <laughs> so so now we see why there's a big uh, hint to go <laughs> <laughs> I get that, but from so, a player by, perspective, like that's just by destroying seems painful. By destroying the ichor, you prevented that from happening uh, by burning it. Oh. Uh, so. So if we had taken the barrels outside and burned it, then would none of could we have, could we have prevented that? Well, you. That's well. I don't know how you would have known to do that. Yeah, so. that's what I guess as a player. Like and as a as a DM, how is as a player hearing this news is like kind of like a oh, what the hell? Are we, how are we supposed to know any of that? Like, there's no game hints, there's no investigation check that you got we... strong hints from the DM to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I get that, but like that that's a nice DM move from your end. But from like a game design standpoint, is there something that you believe as a DM that? Maybe so there should have been a letter that, or a book or... So here's something that... Why I, I did it that way, why I sort of forced the hand, is because the Strahd part is something I added because the module doesn't... The module says Strahd shows up early and often and gets in your face early and often, right? And I'm like, damn, you guys are already getting to Valaki and still haven't even seen him with except one with one exception right and i felt like that was a moment where you affected shit enough that he would say okay i need to show up but i was really afraid of what my influence there how that impacted that decision too and so it was one of those things where i was like oh shit they're going completely not the way i expected and i i just you know, I'm just gonna give it, give him this kind of mulligan on that because it, I felt like it was my fault that I kind of made that happen. You know what I mean? Which is which is that, fair. That, that it was our natural instinct to stay there was because of the the, the moment of Strahd being there. My, my <laughs> intention was to scare give us. you guys the impression that You're not he was giving you when he left, he was giving you a free pass to go. Uh, 
not the free pass to stay, and that was my <laughs> that was my mistake in yeah. not clarifying I think, it, I and think which is why I gave song. such a strong hint in in you know that's why that's how I I, I did it, and mm-hmm. you know maybe uh, if I was more experienced, uh, more practiced, I could have thought of a more clever way of doing that. But at the time, I just thought. Let's just you know. Like, move this is on. how this is how I'm gonna get it progressed. It, right. You know. Thinking about it though, I, I believe that you did actually a really good job. You're just dealing with six players that are very untrusting of anything that's happening <laughs> <Yeah>. in this <laughs> game. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, like that is that was something that I kind of was like, oh man, did I did I go too far here with that? Uh, you know. Yeah. So uh, let's. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, I, I know I said during our conversation that, you know, and I think we kind of glossed over the fact that Strahd showed up. We That's what really I was going to touch that. on is the Strahd encounter but, there. <laughs> but I, I actually brought that up in our conversation about what to do next was Strahd knows where we are now, mm-hmm. you know, because he had just shown up as as a counter argument as to why we should why we should go. Um, so, like, I know it motivated me to think. Don't let him see you too much although i'm sure he sees pretty much everything in his, in his realm but you know it might be good for us to go if he now knows that we're here so right and then let's so the strat encounter so thunder happens a lot of booms go on there's a horse that comes from the sky and strad shows up i torbjorn goes out the door peeks his head out to see what's going on immediately says oh shit this doesn't look cool call kosov over and at that point uh we we had this the little bit of back and forth between uh, Strahd and Kosov and Tim. Actually, it was funny because uh, I was in front of you, and then you walked behind me, and then you went out the door, and then you realized who it was. You went back, and I was like, "Are you gonna leave me out? Are you gonna let me know to go back inside? Are you gonna be out here by myself?" Um, but I would take from the Strahd encounter, kind of like you're saying, you got the hey, he knows we're here. But I got once you went back inside is when he left us alone. So my thought then was he couldn't go inside with us. Maybe I don't know. Like, was he there just to scare us, to intimidate us? I I definitely get the, didn't get the same impression. I got the impression based off of your perception check that he was called away to other business. You know, um, so he left us because something he else. had something more important to do. Basically, um, so but, when he wraps that up, is he coming back? Yeah. Mm. Also, that. from what David said, he wasn't expecting it to be us. He was expecting somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I can't remember. What was the dude's name? It was, so uh, we, I don't have the notes. It was, right when um, David had said something about like loud thunder and a horse, I immediately was like, what'd Tim do? I just screwed that up. <laughs> 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 uh, just just had some chili. Horse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like something to consider too is uh, like how do the laws of feudalism work in in Barovia? Does the king technically own everything? I don't know. Question. So you know, how far does the invitation have to go? Like how? Like where does that line get drawn? If he's king? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't really think about that from old English. <laughs> yeah. So Middle Age standards of property <laughs> but i i i what was because that was other than bertrand uh that was everybody else's first time seeing strahd um some of us didn't actually see strahd i think i think Vale was i was up on the you, second level still yeah so were you were you we, 
Were you looking out the window or anything? I know Bertrand is I... actually looking out the window. Yeah, no, I was sitting on something with the kids, just keep, keeping keep them back. close. So you so. Didn't, you haven't actually seen Strahd yet. You just heard him. No, uh, yeah. Yeah, Tim, what was your what was your impressions of uh, of Strahd? Because I immediately called you over because I knew Torbjorn would be like, "This is big," so that's when I immediately was like, "I need backup. I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to deal with this." Well, I was I was uncertain if it was Strahd at first, um, so I asked a few clarifying questions. <laughs> Is uh, when he showed up, Irina said the name Bucephalus, right, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. the horse. Um, mm-hmm. But I I didn't, so I was unsure. Is is she saying the person's Bucephalus? Is she just swearing? Like what? <laughs> what is yeah. happening? Uh, and so then got the clarification that this is Strahd. And then the first thing I thought was, well, he charms people. So I'm going to back up and, and move back. And Keegan, I actually thought you were in the doorway. Like, so, and I think I did say at one point, like, get behind me. Yeah, you did. Um, so, uh, so I, I just kind of, presumed and assumed that you were you were behind me in that moment but like that you know that's a that's a classic bad guy moment the i'm going to show up tell you how important i am and uh and then move on because you're insignificant so it was a cool moment yeah i i really liked it i think it was a good way to i guess not introduce strahd but first encounter with strahd uh for a lot of us and i i enjoyed it because it did a scare the living shit out of me uh, as a as a character of like this dude can just appear out of nowhere and be here like we don't know how he got there did he did he use teleportation was he hovering above us the whole time was he keeping an eye on us like how did he arrive there did he use some sort of some sort of other magical properties that I don't know about uh, to get there and the other question is where did he go when he left and why did he leave us type thing like. Like you're saying, we feel insignificant in that moment, but it also he, it was the insignificance of the fact that he felt like he had way more power than us. And I think you said something along the lines, Tim, of I think you I think you said it to me was uh, if he wanted to to kill us, he would have. There's something along uh, those yeah. lines. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what well, it was. I think you you actually had the insight and said to me like, uh, you know, I'm glad he didn't attack us and. And I think I agreed with you and made the comment that, you know, it's arrogance on his part not to end it now. Um, And that evil is an arrogant entity, essentially, Um, because he could have killed us and he should have killed us because now we have a chance to kill him. Was kind of what I was getting at. Do you do you think here's here's just a hypothetical. Do you anybody think he didn't kill us because we were too weak? Did you think he wanted to actually have a strong fight against us? Because I feel like that could have been a thing. It wasn't a big enough challenge for him. He's like, you guys are weak. I'm going to take you down. I don't want to take you down now because it's too easy. I think that's the point, yeah. But anyways, so from there, we then move into into Valaki. We safely make it to the city. Uh, Along the way, we found some Harry Potter boats that we might take at a later time. But (laughs) (laughs) we did not take this time. Uh, I was tempted to just row across to Hogwarts. Um, but we get into Valaki. Our first thing to do is we ask the guards at the entrance, uh, where the church was so we could take the kids, uh, where the tavern, we knew of the tavern, we asked where the tavern was. And then as we walked through the city, we found some different places of note. Um, the stockyard was brought to our attention. And then when we walked past the tavern, that was brought to our attention. And then the, uh, 
house that looked like it was owned by somebody important was brought to our attention. Uh, my guess is that's Tom's house, aka the Burgomasters, <laughs> if I had a, if I had a guess. Um, and then we ended up at the church and talked to. I don't remember. I gotta see if I can find his name. What was the priest's name? Uh, Lucian. Lucian, yes, Father Lucian Petro Petrovic. Um, we met him and kind of uh, had a conversation with him about taking the kids in because we wanted to make sure they were taken care of. Uh, in return for taking the kids in, though, he asked us to do a favor for him. Uh, there were some bones that were stolen from the crypts down below, and there was a festival going on or going to be going on in the town of Valaki three days from then. And it, he made it sound like it was important that we get those bones back in the crypt before that festival happens. And we didn't get back to it this episode. We ended up leaving and we're probably going to back at a later time to, to actually do that quest, I guess. I don't know what to call it. Have, have Do that adventure. Um, but what you guys think, Tim? I'm going to ask you because you're, you're a holy person in the world. What did, what, what did you think about going into this church? And what did you think about them? Because David mentioned that they recognized your symbol or your symbols as their symbol. Right. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, the, um, what was the, the morning Lord was what um, they recognized it as. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I've made me kind of think outside of the game while well, they've been here for 400 years, maybe it was the evolution of the religion or something. Um, you know, so a lot of things could, uh, could play into that. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to find out more about their theology as a character um, to see if that plays into anything. We know that sunlight is a big deal um, that it's, you know, the, it's all of those types of um, energies are what is causing damage to our enemies. So, um, you know, I think that's going to play a big part into what's going on here. Yeah. So, we dropped the kids off. Um, I don't think much, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anything super important happened at the church other than we disposed, uh, not disposed of the kids. <laughs> got, <laughs> wrong word. What the crap, dude? <laughs> we, uh, we left the kids in capable hands of, of Father Lucian. Uh, and you know, it was, it was, it was things like that. So making statements like that is why we all thought you were like wanting to abandon the children in the woods the entire time because you're like we if we don't have a plan for the kids we can't take them with us what else are we gonna do leave them at the windmill i'm gonna clarify that now so my thought process and all that was again torbjord was not against taking the kids and i think this is just me as a player not communicating kind of what i meant by that his thought was we had two extra people we now have to take care of we're all beat to hell and that's why i was concerned about going to valaki at the beginning because if we died those kids are dead so if we had found some sort of plan of whether it was leave them there or I don't know, we could some sort of plan to do to have for them um, would have made him a little bit more kind of at ease. His concern was he was going to go out. He was going to be responsible for these kids. He was going to die. The kids were going to die at not at his hand, but in his care. And I think he would have felt worse about that than if he had kind of pretended the kids didn't exist to a certain extent of like. Hey, these, that's not my problem. But once they became his problem, he then was like, okay, I, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with this to make this not my problem anymore. Cause I don't want these, I, again, not that I don't want the kids around, but I, I don't want to have the responsibility of this. 
on me. So that that was my thought process and all of that was I was not gonna try and kill the kids. I was not gonna set them in flames. As soon as I knew there was kids, I wasn't gonna light up the uh, the windmill or anything with them inside. I just wanted to make sure that they were. We had a plan for them because Torbjorn would have felt personally responsible if something had happened with to them in his care. Um, and even with Father Lucian, like that segment, I don't think I said it, but in in my head the whole time I was thinking of. Do we trust this guy? Like we, he's a he's a priest, so you think you should be able to trust him. But is he who he says he is, and all this kind of stuff? So these are the kind of things that go on in my head as character that I don't necessarily say out loud when we did something like that. So I'm excited to go back and kind of talk with him a little bit more. I think our next interaction with him might be a little bit longer. We also have to investigate uh, the altar boy who had some information about where the bones are. So we got to talk to him as well. Uh, see if we what we can get out of him the the next time we go back and visit them. So, but yeah, I don't hate kids. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I do love though when we read the when we all heard David read the the bulletin about uh, the festival of the blazing sun where it said attendance and kids required. I think we all interpreted that of like, wait, we just took kids from a thing that turns them into pies. Do we have to take kids with us to this festival? What's going to happen to these kids now? <laughs> and that's when I got nervous of leaving the kid with Father Father Lucian because of that. <laughs> it's like, is he on their side? Whose side is he on? So, I don't know. That was that was one of those moments where it's like, okay. Uh, but DM did clarify, kids are required to attend. They're not required to attend. Right. Got it? <laughs> it's a great clarification. Yeah. <laughs> They, they are required <laughs> to go, but you don't need one to attend. Uh, right. Anyways, <laughs> we then go back to the tavern. Uh, we meet, uh, I can't remember their last names. I remember talking to Danica, the barkeep. She was the one I talked to most of the night. But um, we, the uh, Mardikoff. Yeah, the Mardikoff family. And they took care of us. They, they gave us room. They gave us food. Uh, kind of a time, which was, I think, kind of. appreciated just a time to relax and kind of well i thought we were going to relax and you know calm our nerves and just technically you did yeah i did (laughs) technically i was there you know having a good time chatting it up with with danica uh by the way david the fact you named her danica all i could think of the whole time was danica patrick and i was like i gotta pretend this is not danica patrick (laughs) who's the rest that's the the module name is it you didn't yeah okay mm, no um yeah so we got we got back we got roomed uh, we 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 all were fed um, we kind of I feel like we're settling in for the night just to kind of take it easy and then this wonderful bard um, Rictavio as he is so called uh, started to you know do what bards do and played music made a made a little bit of a scene and 
in the bar and was having a good time trying to just cheer everybody up and uh, drew some he, attention to him. He doesn't, he doesn't play music. He, tells, he was telling stories. Him. Sorry, yeah, because Bertrand was playing music to his stories. Right. That's what was happening. So he's telling stories of great adventures, and I think somebody did an insight check on him. I think it might have been Bertrand where he's like, do I believe any of the stories he's saying? And I think David was like, they're exaggerated. Just from, <laughs> just from common knowledge, he, yeah. he, he was able to know. Yeah, that's those are just bard stories you tell. Yeah. Um, so at that point, we were going in. We're having our time. Uh, I can't remember what prompted Vale to investigate Rictavio because I was focused on what Torbjorn was doing at that point. What was what was your tip off, Vale? I don't remember. A very strong suggestion from the DM. <laughs> well, so so uh, I, I gave everyone who had uh, passive perception, high passive perception, a uh, chance to to discern that. That's why it was you, Ara, and Vale that had a chance to catch catch it because it was 15 or higher and <laughs> and uh, that's that's why they got to roll to see if they got anything else um, so yeah. and then and then Vale Diane got a whisper uh, can you share what the whisper was did you is it something <laughs> is it something that's the information's out or something you you didn't. You haven't shared. Shorn. Shared. Shorn. Shared with us yet. Shared. That's the word. Shorn. Uh, shorn with yeah. us. Have you shorn with us? <laughs> shorn. <laughs> I don't English well. Okay. Oh my god, your grammar. <laughs> yeah, English is not my strong suit. I'm a math You're kid. You're going to give me a brain explosion. Um. It wasn't really. No, it wasn't really information. It was just a little hint. And that was it. Just, yeah. um, but it, I don't remember exactly how David worded it, but it was basically Rictavio is not what he seems. And that was about, that's all I had yeah. to go on. Yeah. That was it. So, and after that, it was just like a matter of, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'll go be sociable and talk. <laughs> Darn but, it. Like you well, saw. I mean, that's not you Vail's saw strong sort of like, at all. Yeah. Like a a flaw in the how to disguise like something that yeah, so actually Bertrand later caught I noticed there was something a about shadow, a shadow mismatch too that you know that happened and, and that's sort of what kind of tipped you off about that. Yeah. Uh, but basically just from your passive perception is what got earned you the role and then you Got the twenty, what was it, twenty something? And I was like, <laughs> having yeah, crap okay, rolls definitely... all night. <laughs> you got them when they counted. And then, yeah, he sprang that on me, and I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I gotta do well now. So after that, you started investigating Rictavio. I I can't remember if, when in the conversation because he was about to leave, and you tried to stop him, and uh, that was unsuccessful, and he kept going out. And then you try you followed him. Uh, I believe Kaim tried to follow, and uh, Latrine tried to follow. And uh, so I, uh, this is one of my favorite moments. Probably the my favorite moment of the whole whole session was when uh, 
you see the three of them walking out, and David goes, oh, by the way, Torbjorn, you notice half your party's going out the door, and I, I just go, what's going on, or what's up, or I can't remember exactly what I said, but it's something of like, "Where? what is happening? And uh, immediately Bertrand was like, oh, I'm going to go back inside and pretend I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah. Back. These two snuck out of their, their, their yeah. makeshift pen. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, but they had, we had that going on. And then I obviously yelled this from across the bar. Um, so I'm sure quite a few people had actually had heard it. So it probably drew a little bit of attention to, to them. But then after that, you continued to go, Vale, and then uh, Nate, Ara, followed you as well for the first little bit there. Um, what was your... This is what I want your thought process on, because <laughs> you were 10 H- HP. You were talking to some strange man you don't know of. He seemed not who he was. What, what enticed you to keep going? Because <laughs> that, to me, screams what? death. <laughs> Uh, that that did cross my mind that that would happen, um, but again, you know, very obvious prompts from the DM were kind oh. of what kept me going. Not maybe not very obvious, but because I, I didn't know, I didn't know if he was going. I to... just gave you the option to follow. <laughs> yeah. That's all I said. I said, do you follow? Yes or no? That's all. <laughs> That's all you had to say, yes or no. Yeah, I feel you like, went for it. That... I feel like in your do you follow him, there was an, an implied under verbiage of You don't have to listen you to You need me. to follow him. I don't listen to David ever. So, <laughs> uh, but I think because uh, Vale had had a, like a short conversation with, um, with Ara and time about you know following him she i don't she didn't really say anything about why but just you know something's not right mm-hmm. but i think she was also miffed with torbjorn it's <laughs> like oh shit i have no backup and <laughs> to be um, fair so i'm gonna say this now i i was not gonna say anything because i in my head i was talking to the bartender but david said you noticed your group leaving and that's when i was like oh shit yeah. So that's yeah. that's why I said something. Otherwise, I would have been stuck at the bartender. But David made a good point later on to me. He said, think about when you're out with your group of friends and you kind of keep half an eye on like so-and-so's in the bathroom, so-and-so's here. And you kind of look up every so often and see where they are. And that's why you notice. And I was like, oh. And I have a high passive perception as well. So I have a 16. Yeah. So that's that's why. But yeah, immediately when that happened, I was like, everybody's going to hate me when I say this. <laughs> I knew when I said it. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, so, I mean turned out to be okay i guess following him so but but yeah my stomach my stomach was in nuts the whole time even though i was the one making decisions it was like i don't really know what's gonna happen um what did you I think th- what did you think because you you were stealthy the first part he didn't see you for the first part but then immediately like the first checkpoint david gave you you failed i believe and <laughs> yeah and he saw you and and I noticed, Diane, you forgot you had advantage, and I, I forgot that you had it. Oh. Uh, so you you could have re- you, you basically when you have advantage, you can roll again Twice. once oh. and take the higher. So uh, it would have been as fun though. Keep, <laughs> yeah, but keep you know keep that stuff in mind though, uh, because I can't. I always, you know, I'm terrible <laughs> so far at keeping keeping track of it, but. 
you know, you're right. Yes, it definitely uh, it added to the tension. Led to a more uh, <laughs> tense uh, outcome, but yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. I was going to say, what was your, what was your, once you got found out that you were following him? Because to me, again, that's the moment I would have tried to play it off and be like, oh, I was just getting some air. Sorry, like we just happened to be in the same place. What was your thought process once he found you out? Well, see, I don't think Vale could have pulled that off. Mm-hmm. She's because she, before she met you guys, she's been completely alone, like just no interaction with people whatsoever. So mm-hmm. her people skills are low, low, <laughs> low, like negative. So, yeah. um. So I don't think there would have been any way she could have played it off as, oh, I'm just, especially after she shouted at him, hey, I want to have a conversation with you. And, hey, can you please not leave the bar so I can have this conversation with you? So she was, there There was no way she was going to lie her way out of that. Plus, I don't think, like, she's a monk, but I don't think she's a particularly, um, religiously moral monk mm-hmm. so uh crap i forgot where i was going with that already damn it um it happens <laughs> she basically she, she just wouldn't have been able to lie about it yeah she would, so it for her the best thing would have been to be up front and to the point and like you're different and i don't know why and i'm trying to find out so which in the end played to your advantage when all was said and done which yeah because cool. like i said it was it was very much like i know my thought and i'd love to hear because i actually approached tim in the bar at one point to have a conversation he said hold on i'm waiting for we get i'm, I'm worried about veil i only wait for her to come back or something i can't remember exactly what you said but you're like i'm i'm worried about veil um and I know my thought the whole time was, as Torbjorn is, Vale's gone. Uh, I would assume I would have seen Ara come back in once she failed, and came back, and obviously Kaim never left. So you're out there theoretically by yourself in a town we had just entered, and Torbjorn was thinking about this stuff, but at the same time he didn't care because in game me and you don't have that great a relationship. Like, the only conversation we had was on the horse when we first found you. So, like, I don't have any reason under to... The, under the horse. Under the horse, sorry. We under the her. horse. Well, she got on the horse, too. Uh, but, like, Torbjorn right now has no real connection to you. So, like, he cared, He was wondering where you were and what was going on. But at the same time, it was not to the point where he would have been proactive and said, hey, let's get up and investigate what's going on. Like, she can do... She's obviously been by herself. She's been able to survive at this point. She somewhat knows what she's doing, I guess. Is, was my thought process in that. But as Keegan, a player, I was like, oh, shit. This might be the end of our first character. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so far, Vale doesn't really have a, a strong connection with any of the other members in the party. Um, she hasn't really interacted with all of them a whole lot. Um, I think she's... I think, uh, well... I think she was trying to connect with Ara when she had the feelings about the bard, but we didn't really have a chance to talk about it because he was leaving and she was like, must follow. So, 
<laughs> Bells yeah. going off. Doo, doo, doo. Uh, what was uh, your thought, Tim, in the bar as Kosa for that point? I'd love to hear your what what you were thinking in character when she was out during this whole excursion. Because this was probably, well, I would say all of a sudden done, what, 30, 30-ish minutes, I would guess, it would take him to do the whole thing. Yeah, well, you try, in moments like that, you try not to think, you try not to give your character thoughts they wouldn't have because you have knowledge they don't have, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think from my character's perspective is, you know, I wanted to be available, but I knew I couldn't stealth. I knew I wasn't going to, I knew I had bad perception. I'm not going to necessarily notice the leaving until you called it out. Um, and so I'm, I'm like, okay, I want to be here. I want to be available, but I don't want to blow anybody's cover if they're doing something. And I want to trust my party to do what they need to do. So I'm going to be here and I'm going to be ready and available. And so like when you approached me about having a conversation, I assumed it was going to be upstairs. It's like, mm, I want to make sure she comes back in safely. And if she comes back in, if she comes back in with trouble, that we're here and ready for it. Um, so it was kind of just that wait and see moment for Kosef of, being ready if she comes running in screaming bloody murder okay let's everybody call to action even though we all have three hit points you know (laughs) yeah and to be fair my conversation was going to be upstairs but then i also was going to i wanted at one point to come back to you and just and i didn't get a chance to it because uh the whole thing with with veil going on the excursion i kind of like kind of kept going the whole time and one of the things i wanted to do is come loop back around with you at one point i should have said something and just been like because i wanted to show that i did as torbjorn did care about Vale in the sense of she's been gone for a little while we've not heard from her and just be like what do you think's going on versus just being like i don't care um so that is something that came came in and i would my brain would have been like maybe 10 15 minutes after she had left if we had not heard anything like that's when i would have probably re-approached you and said hey what do you think's going on with Vale? Obviously, as the players, we know what's going on because we can hear everything. But as the character, we're still sitting in the bar, not knowing what's going down. So that was a that was a conversation I I, I thought about having, but ended up not having because there's other things going on that I felt like, in my opinion, were a little bit more important at the time um, to see where this was all leading. And to be fair, we also we're pushing on time at that point to we try not to go too long on these sessions. So I tried to not add in anything that would make it a little bit longer than what it needed to be. Um, so Diane. Well, well, I'd like, to, I'd like to know too, what Kyle was thinking at that moment. Cause I think he was clearly concerned, uh, had tried to make move and then had his plans foiled. Like um, <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'd like to hear what, what was going through Kyle's head during that time frame as well yeah the only thing that i was worried as a as a my character was worried for sure that something was going down and i knew that i wasn't going to be able to sneak out of that establishment but i thought our sneaky member could and that's why i went upstairs to go talk to talk to welly to see if there was any chance that i could wake her up but i don't think there was any stopping that story i didn't want to interrupt anything that was going on because it was just so good <laughs> we were all on pins and needles at that point of like yeah it is happening i think i said during the session like ooh, too many like probably seven or eight times i was like oh uh, uh. yeah so seriously yeah what'd you think okay i have to ask you a were you mad at me when i yelled and b uh what'd you oh th- my character was yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> Like, 
trying to sneak out of an establishment and I got some dwarf like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Because <laughs> you immediately turned right back around and again, in my head, as Torbjorn, like he does, Torbjorn doesn't recognize what he just did, but Keegan the player goes, I just prevented potentially, I yeah. prevented one, what potentially it, two people from following this third person. There's that Simpsons <laughs> gift where Grandpa's walking into the whorehouse and Bart's working the door and, like, Grandpa Simpson, like, takes his hat and, like, puts it up, like, comes up to the counter and like, just starts turning around. Yeah. Takes his hat puts it That's exactly what that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like. So, oh, that was, I have to say that, I, I was telling uh, I think I told Tim this. I don't know if I told G- uh, David or Bertrand this. I know I haven't told Diane this. Um, my favorite, like, Torbjorn. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I work with Tim, so it's easy to talk to him. Uh, but my my favorite, uh, like, Torbjorn character moment was that moment of yelling uh, what's going on. Because that felt so in character for him. And the second one was, it was later on, but right before I went to bed, I just had this conversation with uh, Danica, the bartender, of just... I guess bar owner, tavern owner, of just like what can we do for her? She she put us up for free. She's given us food, like we didn't have to pay for any, any of this stuff. And it's just like, I it was a very appreciative moment of like it felt like he had a family again, um, that he could that wanted that was taking care of him. So those are my yeah. two like Torbjorn character moments that were like the most Torbjorn things that happened probably all campaign so far. So, I didn't want her to go alone at all, and like. I was about to like throw a healing spell at her, but I looked at my character sheet in that moment and I had yeah. nothing left. Absolutely nothing. Cause I like, I knew she was like, like someone sneezed on her and she's yeah. down. Well, she went down three <laughs> times. So. <laughs> she went down three times. Yeah. She was pretty weak. Yeah. She was pretty weak. So, oh. so you get to the stockyard, which I thought was interesting. Cause Earlier in the session, Weliad mentioned that she wanted to go to the stockyard. I kind of said, hey, I want to get to the church. We ended up not going to the stockyard. We went to the church instead. But I thought it was interesting we looped back to that area. Well, I say we, Vale looped back to that area um, to see what was actually there. And I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm curious what everybody would have thought. Yeah, wolves. <laughs> um, I'm curious what everybody would have thought if... Uh, I guess Vale would have been the only one that would have gone back a second time. What would have thought if she had seen that again and then came back to the same sequence, knowing what was there where he was leading you to? Like, if you'd gone there initially, and you'd seen the what was it saber tooth tiger? Was that what it was? Well, yeah, yeah, but it was it was in a carnival cart, so you, yeah. unless you like went up to it, you wouldn't have known that. Yeah. Even even then, you wouldn't have, you couldn't see in it. You had to climb up and into the trap, look it. into the trap door gotcha. to see it. Gotcha. Which was locked, so, you know. So you don't see anything. So she wouldn't have known yeah, the, he... the potential danger there. She just wouldn't have no. known it's a carnival cart. Yeah. yeah. Unless she investigated and walked in and looked and all that kind of stuff. And then they probably would have been like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you searching our carnival? <laughs> so. Um, but when you got to the carnival cart and you found out uh, what was in the cage, what was... What was going through your head when you realized there's a giant ass cat in there that could probably tear you to shreds along with this guy who you didn't really know at that point didn't at that point I don't think he had divulged much information to you no because um, the conversation happened after that so what was your thought when there was now a beast involved that he was theoretically in charge of um, well <laughs> I mean it was scary um 
like I said, Vale has been basically communing with nature and animals. So while it's the, the idea of a saber-toothed tiger that is being trained by this person that she knows nothing about is is not, you know, ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, she has more of an affinity for animals than she does for people. So she wasn't terrified, terrified, mm-hmm. but she was just really very cautious. Um, as I guess evidenced by the fact that when it started shaking the cage, she was like, oh, nope. I'm, back I'm out. <laughs> yep. Which is which is cool because that that is a character moment. The because the first, like I said, when we first found you in the mist, you just kind of approached us and were wandering by yourself out in the nature. And and I, again, I know I haven't interacted much with Vale as Torbjorn, and not I don't really know much about your character's backstory at all or anything that's kind of going on of where how you kind of sit on things. Um, but it was cool seeing that moment of having you and I, I, I told Tim and David this after the fact. I go, it was cool seeing you have that moment because I knew nothing about your character. And to me, it was such an awesome moment to see you step up to that plate. And literally the last 40 minutes of the session was this moment. And I think we all as players were super gripped what was happening, what was going on, what the consequences could have been when you were adventuring. And then you get this whole other thing that none of us as player or characters know about it as players now know just flips it all this information flips itself on its head because Rotavio basically told you everything which i thought was very interesting um when that started coming out i I was trying to listen but i was also trying to remember i I guess keegan was trying to listen but torbjorn was trying to ignore um just so i i didn't get mixed up what i didn't did not know but it was one of those things where it was so cool to watch that moment with you. And I don't know, I think everybody can attest that probably was the coolest moment of the whole campaign so far, um, or up there as one of the coolest moments of the whole campaign so far. I've seen you go on that adventure and then talk to Rictavio and figure out who he was. And if you want to go into a little bit of what you discovered about Mr. Rictavio, uh, once you got there and start talking to him. Uh, <laughs> Or just basically what you were thinking through yeah. that whole yeah. thing <laughs> would be. I, I remember. I remember going, "Oh shit, that's not what I expected." Well, I, I definitely didn't expect him to be von Richten. That's for sure. Um, which you guys know as people, not as the players. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I, I didn't expect that at all. I just expected him to be maybe another. Madam Ava type who just had all this information, but he was just going to be more forthcoming with it mm-hmm. um, simply because he was a person who wanted to see things change. But to find out that he's the arch enemy of Strahd himself, is, yes. it was just kind of yeah. like, oh, shit. Do you, <laughs> well, then. Do you remember back at the windmill? When I first walked in and I started investigating the room, I found a letter or a page. It wasn't a letter. It was a page. And the name was Von Richten. And I didn't put it together until after the session had ended when I was watching it back that that was the letter to that. So that's a cool I that's a cool DM thing. Of I was talking to David about it off offline. And he's like, yeah, I wanted to make sure I introduced that character to you guys so you knew. And when then it came out at the end of the episode that that was him, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't put – again, in the moment, I, I didn't put two and two together. When I watched it back, I was like, that was the name 
okay. So to me, that was that was a cool shout out to David for kind of those that that weird story arc tie in uh, there from beginning to the end of the episode. So here's here's a little DM behind the scenes too. It's not so it's in the module that Von Richten would reveal who he is if he's in the card reading mm-hmm. only. <laughs> uh, I had decided before uh, the session that in the very odd event that somehow Rictavio and Vale <laughs> were the only two people the antisocial in this scenario <laughs> that he would trust her with that information just because of a DM like backstory mm-hmm. thing for her which the odds of that and, happening are were very strange. and yeah i was like but that's not gonna happen so i'm all right <laughs> so i just want to say you're welcome oh <laughs> uh, yeah oh <laughs> well, i stopped one i even i even rolled like that was that roll like finally like does he like i'm like if he rolls under 12 he tells her and higher he decides not to rolled an 11 for no reason (laughs) was that with the roll for no reason yeah man that's that's cool because again the odds (laughs) of that happening in a in a party of six with one of the most antisocial uh people when it comes to talking to people like yeah and just how boisterous he was like Mm -hmm. just i just thought i'm like that's the anti-veil character so Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well i mean if you notice before before she noticed something was off she sat in a corner by herself Mm -hmm. just kind of watching everything so there there at that point there was no possibility of anything yeah, happening the, his, his reasoning of showing you the tiger was actually like okay i'm gonna show her i have a saber-toothed tiger which is you know that's a suspect thing and then she'll leave me alone and not pursue and not realize that i'm von richten and then she came back with oh and also i got this <laughs> this uh card reading that says that you're not who you say you are <laughs> and that you've got something in your carnival wagon that <laughs> It's the to- called the Tome of Strahd, and I need that. And that's when he was like, what the heck? <laughs> I've been found out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I already showed my hand. That was supposed to be it. What are you? <laughs> show's over. No, you, that. <laughs> you can blame behind-the-scenes texting uh, for Tim for that. Well, I mean, you guys... We all had the hand in the real world. It it was a month ago you got yeah. that info. Yeah. In game world, it was a few days earlier that it was yesterday. Yeah. Technically, yeah. it was the True. night before. Yeah. So, yeah, so. that was that was one of those moments of like, because I think you told me after or told I can't remember if you said it. After we stopped streaming, we were still online together. But you go, you know, you guys are supposed to level up when you find the tome. That's not happening because we just leveled up. <laughs> we we just leveled up theoretically the night we went to bed. So the next when we next session we should be the, we should be the next level or we are the next level when we when we go into the next session. So David, David, you're like I'm not giving you two levels. Sorry guys. 
But it, but it it is cool to know that we are getting closer to not solving the mystery, but figuring out how to defeat Strahd. Because I know, for me, like there's a lot of puzzle pieces, and I I need to go back and read that that reading because there's certain things in there that I was telling uh, David earlier, like. I think uh, as Torbjorn, the only things he remembers, because my intelligence is real low, is the stuff that pertained to him. So I always think of what happened with him. So there's a there's a few lines in there, obviously, that pertain to him, and that's all he he remembers. He doesn't remember anything else. So as Keegan the player, I kind of want to see if there's any any clues. So when that goes on, I'm like, oh, this is what this is what's going on. Doesn't mean I'm gonna interject because I know what's going on, but I I I was. I'm super excited to see where this where this is heading and kind of how we've we've gone on and we're only technically in our second city and I feel like Valaki is the first I hate to use this word but like normal city we've been in so far. Um, <laughs> it feels almost like yeah we're welcomed, <laughs> which is makes me a little as a player uneasy <laughs> because everyone else has been not so welcoming. Um, but Torbjorn is enjoying it. He just wanted, like I said last night, he wanted to uh, or that night he wanted to just relax and hang out and get some sleep after being battle tested because you have to remember that earlier that day he was pinning a giant hag grappled her against out a door and was fighting her face to face and was just like nope i'm done i need to shut down now and get some alcohol in me so but anybody have any other things uh from the session that they they thought was cool or any moments that they want to bring up that i missed or that i didn't go over I um, I got to have probably the biggest Kosif moment, I think, at the very end with uh, having the vision. And uh, I know everybody else was kind of in the dark about what was going on with that. And, you know, that's how that is because you can't <laughs> be in my dream, right? Um, uh, what you don't know is Torbjorn uh, can actually read minds. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why he's so messed up. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> but that was a that was a really cool moment for me to to kind of RP through that and um, um, have that experience for the character. And it, it also I think impacted my character's mentality about where things where things stood for us as a party. I was putting on a brave face, but now I have a little bit more faith in why we should have that brave face. Uh, brave face. Um, and I was telling Keegan outside of the game, I think that it's better now that we didn't have any of our conversation before that. Mm -hmm. um because i can now approach it with a different perspective um you know obviously depending on what he's going to ask me but uh or want to talk about but um i think it gives my character a little bit different drive um or or another gear for what his motivation is um and i and i really enjoyed that david put it in there so uh that was my first big backstory moment and um you know it was nice yeah i completely because i was right as we ended because we had gone to sleep at that point. I just completely mm -hmm. forgot that that had gone on because it didn't pertain to Torbjorn. <laughs> so anybody else got anything that you want to share? Any thoughts? Who, who thought uh, Rictavio was going to shove her in the, uh, in the carnival wagon with the, with the tiger. <laughs> I, didn't, I totally did. I didn't trust Rick I didn't Tommy think about that till after. And I was like, oh, my God, everybody was probably thinking that. But that wasn't even his well, intention was like, look, I have a tiger. That's my yeah. secret. Now well, you know. Yeah, you were like that. And then you were like, <laughs> then you were like, after the after the tiger finishes eating, he gets 
agitated and starts bumping against the, mm-hmm. you know, against the side. Yeah, he doesn't like, like oh, shit, this is where I get knocked in. <laughs> this is where I die. <laughs> hey, you would have you died so doing something that's cool. That's actually in the module that that happens. So. Oh, wow. Like, well, it's not, I, I wasn't trying to just put that. We weren't tense it. enough already is what he's saying. <laughs> so you need to add a little bit more drama. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just all talking. Horror story. You're not somewhat on the edge. I'm not doing my job, right? Yeah. Speaking of horror stories, uh, next next session uh, next (laughs) week, uh, we will be having uh, the other half of level two joining us. Tom uh, will be joining us as the burgle master uh, of the of Valky. So I'm I'm really curious because. I don't know what his experience is with RPGs. Uh, probably, I know he's played some in the past. I know he hasn't played D&D at all, so it'll be interesting to see how all that goes. But I, uh, I'm i excited to have him on board to kind of bring him into this loop because I think we could all say we're having a lot of fun doing this um, in the in the extent of like the stories and all the stuff that comes out of it is... is I, I know I enjoy talking about the session after the session happens every time, and I think we're always excited for the next session. When something goes down and I'm I'm excited to have Tom. I'm excited personally to explore a town that seems safe <laughs> to be able to explore and just see what's going on in this town and kind of get a better feel for where we are. Obviously, we've got to go back to uh, the priest and figure out uh, what's going on with the, the bones and why they were taken and all that kind of stuff. So we're doing we said we we're going to do that the next morning. So I'm, I'm just excited to see what next session has. Um, I. I say it every episode, but I feel like every session gets better than the last. And definitely with this veil moment, again, for me personally, it was probably one of my favorite moments of the campaign because it was the most on edge I have been in a long time. And I think us not resting up made it even more on edge because we knew you were low health. So if we'd rested up at the windmill and say we didn't die, uh, or if we'd gone to, gone to bed and she didn't investigate Rictavio and say Rictavio came in the next day, it would have been a different story because she would have been full HP. She could have taken him out. Probably, I won't say no problem because I don't know what he has in his yeah, bag of tricks. So. I thought that comment was interesting when you were like, I could take him out. I was like, you could take Rictavio out. Von Richter. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, um, I do need to retcon one detail about that. And that's, and only you know, Diane, anyway. So it's not that major. But uh, Von Richter is human, not how help. Rictavio is half elf. Oh, okay. So, so he polymorphed, essentially. Okay. So cool. That's why. Uh, it didn't say that in the module, but I did a little research and and found that out. So, and I think that makes more sense. Especially with telling you all the information, so. you're another human, human, because you're you're a human monk, right? If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. yeah, human, human, human. So. Uh, this, this has been behind the roll episode five. And I, like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed last session. I love the, I love how we went from arguing what to do with the kids to, oh shit, Vale might die <laughs> in a matter of a few hours. Um, and I'm excited to see what's happening. Uh, we have the festival coming up in the next couple days, uh, in the, in the story as long, like I said, going back to the church and figuring out what's going on with those bones, uh, and meeting the Burgomaster. Because we saw his, we I assume it's his house, but we saw his house, and uh, we haven't really investigated much in the town. And as Torbjorn, I'm just excited to, you know, like I said, just hang out in the town and see 
see what there is, what these people are all about, because he's been terrified shitless, and the fact that he's somewhere that feels semi-safe uh, makes him happy. Before we go, I do have one more question for Diane. Sorry, Diane. <laughs> you're, you're on the hot seat. That's why he's so <laughs> you. You, I felt like so you opened up to to Rictavio uh, more than you have anybody in your party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm curious as to why you decided to do that. Was it like a I'm uh, this for that kind of thing? Like, was it an escalation of I'll trust you with this if, and if you trust me with that, or was it just something you just decided on faith to? I, he didn't push me in the tiger thing, so I'm just going <laughs> to go all in. <laughs> um, I think it was a combination of both. Um, he he did tell me something, so then I told him something, and I think it just kept getting more and more intense until uh, you know, just everything was spilled, and he was just like, all right, I guess you need to know everything because you've already got this idea about I know something and uh I don't know I, I think I think because he wasn't he didn't try to like force her to tell him anything and so she was just kind of like okay I'll give him a little bit here and there and just see where it goes but um, I think if he had been, I think if he had been overbearing and trying to get information from her, she would have been like, yeah, no, bud, you need to back off. Mm-hmm. And then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. But I think because he was just like, all right, tell me or don't, and we'll just go yeah, from there. Well, well, yeah, because he didn't want the same, you know, he didn't want you to do the same to him. So, yeah, yeah. he I'm was t- trying did you, to. Did you ever roll an insight check on him? At any point, I can't remember. She did. Insight? Okay. Which yeah. is, do you do you, do you believe him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he has so he has a ring of mind shield. So even the twenty gives you nothing. nothing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to know. So. Yeah. But you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Torbjorn, you don't know that. I was like, I know, I'm drinking. That's right, you don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here drinking. Okay. I'm talking to Danica. <laughs> Yeah, and also, Diane, what did you think of? What do you think of his mistake about that? that his, he, his. Yeah, that he assumed you had one too, or something similar. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know because I mean, but I'm really I'm as the player, I'm really curious to find out what her her story is. I want to I want to know you know, everything about her, what, how, how did she get to be how she is? I mean, besides the fact that I made her. Um, but <laughs> you came up with the story I, I didn't get. Um, but I think as a as the character, she's just kind of like, oh, shit, what's wrong with me? <laughs> so, because, uh, I mean, she's she's heard some really mysterious things, and, you know, she she doesn't know anything. And to have somebody, you know, kind of come out and say, I can't read you. I don't know what you're thinking. I think that's kind of a little bit um, like she likes that a little bit just because she doesn't like people and she doesn't want 
people to know her, but also because also scary because makes her think something's wrong with her if she has this level of protection on her mind without having some kind of magical aid. So, yeah. Well, you're you're not sure. You don't know. Maybe you are magically aided. (laughs) Yeah. So she she just doesn't know. So she's that's kind of a a bit worrisome for her, I think, but not. I mean, it's not a terrible terrible thing that's wrong with her. It's just something that's just makes you different. Oh, well, that's interesting. Maybe we'll find out (laughs) soon. I don't know. If you don't jump, if you don't jump into saber tooth tiger cages, (laughs) promise you won't do that. (laughs) You won't jump in. You might get pushed though. Uh, But yeah, everybody else got anything before I close it out here? Nope. Like I said, this has been episode five of behind the roll where we talk about our session prior. Uh, Like I said, this was probably one of my favorite sessions we've had so far. Uh, There's a lot of things that went down. A lot of information came out. A lot of information about somebody who said they were somebody else and then they weren't, which none of us know, which is... I'm curious, as Torbjorn and as a player, how much you're going to tell us. (laughs) Are you going to tell us everything? Are you going to tell us some? Are you going to lie to us? Like, that's... When I I found out some of the information you're getting, I was like, man, I don't know any of this. I wish I did. Not that Torbjorn would act upon it, but, like, as a player, I'm kind of like, hmm... What's she going to say to us? And how much is she actually going to tell us? So yes, you'll just have to wait yeah. to find out. Yeah. She's sworn to secrecy. Yeah, you didn't say you told me you wouldn't. Up, so. Yeah. So. But I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, if you want to, you can go to savebytheroll.com. You can check out all bios, all character bios there. Uh, you can check out our merch. Every episode is now up. Episode 5 is now live. Also... Uh, this is the first time on here that I've said it, but we are now officially on every single, uh, podcast platform for behind the role and for say by the role. Um, so we have every episode live as of right now for behind the role and every episode live for say by the role episode five, as of recording this, uh, will be going up very shortly. Hopefully it'll be up before this video goes out, but I'm excited about that because I know a lot of people were asking, I had a few people ask me for podcast form for audio form because they prefer it over video form, which is understandable. I did the same thing, but check it out there. Uh, again, my name's Keegan, one half of gamers. Thank you guys so much for hanging out as always. I forgot my outro. <laughs> 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 Thanks for adventuring guys. Bye. <laughs>